Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook Em Up, 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. I woke up to the morning sky first. Oh, yes, sir. And yes, ma'am, you had better get them up, wake them up, get them going. It's Friday on Hook Em Up with E and Rod V. Five hours. And our morning-by-morning morning conversation begins right now. And if it is a Friday, Rod Babers, what does that make it? Uh, freak flag, feel good, fake it till you make it. Ric Flair, woo! Football Friday edition of Hook'em Up with Ian Rod B. Appreciate it because uh, the football is dwindling. Only two more weekends of big-time football championships. Sunday on tap with two games, AFC and NFC championship games. We will certainly preview the heavyweight matchups, and they are both heavyweight for sure. Baltimore and Kansas City in the AFC game on uh, the early slot on Sunday. And then, of course, the Rams and Niners in the late slot from the West Coast. We will preview and continue our deep dive conversations about those games. Who will play in super in the Super Bowl will be determined on Sunday. Also, two more NFL head coaching vacancies were filled yesterday, meaning only two remain. Looks like uh, looking more and more like Bill Belichick may not be coaching anywhere in 2024. Uh, amazingly, we'll talk about that coming up. Uh, also, the NFL honors, the NFL awards announced uh, at least the finalists for several or eight of the NFL's awards. A lot of uh, Cowboys and Texans featured. We'll dive in there, too. Also, uh, basketball of the weekend, baseball news. Uh, just going to be a really, really busy Friday, and we appreciate you being there. It's going to be mostly a dry Friday, which is good, but, boy, is it foggy as you get up and out. Dense fogs advisories throughout the area here in the 512 and throughout Central Texas. This weird weather pattern continues. It's warming up, and it's not going to rain, so that's good, but it's going to be cloudy and uh, right around 50 degrees today here in Central Texas and around the great state. Uh, so, yeah, mostly dry streets. How was the fog when you were rolling over here this morning? Uh, it's pretty thick, man. It's, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's pretty thick. It's pretty dense. So uh, be careful. You can't see too far out, too far out of here. Yeah, so slow it down. Slow. Drive slow. It's okay. Low beams. Low beams. High beams make it worse. Yeah. Just uh, drive slow. Just uh, take your time. Take your time. Yeah. Pack your patience, as we like to say. And it's it, a little slick. And a little Cause slick. Because it, it, rain, it rained over the, overnight, so it's a little slick, and vis- your visibility is limited. So just take your time. Did get some sunshine yesterday, which is good. The oh, sun, beautiful. The sun came yeah, out. Uh, nice. Beautiful afternoon, and I uh, hope you got to get out and enjoy that a little bit because it has been a pretty good stretch since we've seen the bright sunshine. Uh, if I had to put your sunglasses on, we had to do that yesterday as we roll into your Friday, and we appreciate you being there with us. We start our conversation uh, on this Friday morning. Uh, you might be finding us on 1019 FM, also AM 1260, and certainly on our Horn app. If you download that to your smartphone, you can listen to this show and all the shows here on the Horn with the touch of a button. It is so simple to do. Uh, tell a friend, share it with a friend, and let them know about Hook'em Up and all the shows here on the Horn and the Horn app. Also at hornfm.com with a lot to do this Friday morning in uh, we're ready to crank this thing up. How are we doing? There, here he is. He is our shutdown corner, five hours a day, five days a week, battling the fog on his way over here to the South Austin Onion Creek compound. He is uh, out of the 512 DB High down in Houston, Texas, although DBU right here in Austin, Texas. Uh, lifetime Longhorn for sure, four years in the NFL. Uh, now doing 16 years of great radio and media here in Central Texas and beyond. He is uh, Black Stradamus. He is uh, the football theorist. He's also the proud papa of Baby Monroe. What is going on, RB? I'm doing great. Thank you for the intro, and uh, thank you for the hospitality, as always, and feeling good Friday. And, man, we got so much great football over the weekend. Uh, excited to break it down. We'll do that doing Rod's rant or the preview, once again, NFC and AFC title games. Uh, I guess we'll make our predictions as well since uh, do that. Yeah, last day before – 
uh, championship Sunday. Uh, we'll also get into, you know, I know we'll get into it, but the Texas finally did make it higher right after the show was over. It was almost like at 1059. Yeah. So the news broke <laughs> right at the, right when the show, like right when we parted ways yesterday, I believe the news broke. So we'll talk about that. That's big news on the 48. Well, let's start right there with the uh, top stories so that you are fully aware as you get up and out on this Friday morning. That's right, top news brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment in Texas football. It's been two weeks since former defensive line coach Bo Davis left to take the same position at LSU. It appears Steve Sarkeesian has found his replacement. Multiple reports now that the Longhorns will hire Miami Dolphins assistant defensive line coach Kenny Baker. The Georgia native spent one season with the Dolphins after 11 years coaching college football. Rod will have, uh, and I will have much more on the hire throughout the morning here on Hook'em Up. But Kenny Baker looks like the, uh, the 10th coach for the Longhorns. In the NFL, two more head coaching vacancies filled yesterday ahead of championship Sunday. In Atlanta, after interviewing 14 candidates, including Bill Belichick twice, the Atlanta Falcons announced that they have hired Rams defensive coordinator Raheem Morris, 47-year-old previously the head coach in Tampa. Uh, Falcons actually passed on hiring Morris in 2021 after he replaced Dan Quinn for the final 11 games of the 2020 season. He has spent the last three seasons with the Rams, helped them win the Super Bowl, of course, a couple years ago. In Carolina, meanwhile, the Panthers have agreed to terms with Buccaneers offensive coordinator Dave Canales to be their new head coach, 42-year-olds with the Seahawks, for 13 seasons before leaving the Tampa offense this past season. He is credited for helping both Geno Smith and Baker Mayfield post their best seasons. Also in Seattle, he worked with new Panthers general manager Dan Morgan, who Carolina hired earlier this week. Yesterday's hires means six of the league's eight vacancies have been filled. Only Washington and Seattle remain open. Also yesterday, finalists for eight of the Associated Press's 2023 NFL awards were revealed. Dallas Cowboys quarterback Dak Prescott is a, one of the five finalists for both the MVP award and Offensive Player of the Year. The four other MVP candidates, along with Dak, are Lamar Jackson, Christian McCaffrey, Brock Purdy, and Josh Allen. Cowboys wide receiver CeeDee Lamb, also a finalist for the Offensive Player of the Year award. And both Deron Bland and Micah Parsons, finalists for the league's Defensive Player of the Year, along with T.J. Watt, Miles Garrett, and Max Crosby. Plenty of accolades down in Houston as well. First-year Texans head coach D'Amico Ryans, a finalist for the Coach of the Year Award. C.J. Stroud, a finalist for and likely frontrunner for Offensive Rookie of the Year. Edge rusher Will Anderson, a finalist for Defensive Rookie of the Year. And Offensive Coordinator Bobby Slowick in the running for Assistant Coach of the Year. All winners will be announced at the 13th uh, Annual NFL Honor Ceremony, February 8th in Las Vegas. Back to the 40 Acres, entering the program's final season in the Big 12. The Texas baseball team was picked to finish second in the conference in the preseason baseball poll released by the conference yesterday. League's coaches who were not allowed to vote for their own team selected TCU to finish first for the second consecutive season. Both the Texas basketball teams are in action this weekend. Suddenly surging Texas men will look to make it three straight wins when they face 21st-ranked BYU tomorrow afternoon in Provo. That game tips at one. Texas women will look for a bounce-back game when they host Cincinnati tomorrow afternoon at two at Moody Center. Horn Headlines brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. A new year and a new store. Come see our new Buda location at 200 Trademark Drive to rent, buy, or repair any construction and lawn equipment you need. TopGun.net. We'll shoot you straight. Those NFL head coaching vacancies are filling up quick. And not with the candidates that, I got to tell you, that we thought. It was a very deep pool of candidates uh, with Belichick, the GOAT being out there, Pete Carroll unexpectedly being out there, Mike Vrabel also unexpectedly being out there, and those are not the guys getting the jobs. That's yeah. surprising. That yeah, is surprising. It's going to be really surprising this whole cycle <clears throat> with eight openings move and Belichick and Brable. Brable are both uh, without jobs. I mean, that would be that be may happen. <laughs> no, I can see looking, it looking, looking more looking more and more like it will happen exactly. for Bill Belichick. Because I know somebody's got to be waiting on you know Mike McDonald and Ben Johnson. 
Yeah, we those, told two, you. those two guys are the two rising stars right now in the coaching community, and there are other coordinators and other coaches being uh, hired who don't have the resume of Mike McDonald, the defensive coordinator of the Ravens, or Ben Johnson, the OC of the Detroit Lions. And, and the league's kind of been waiting on those guys. And so, we just mentioned yesterday, Boomer Esiason <laughs> of CBS Sports and, of course, yeah. his own radio show saying it's a lock in his – what he's been told that the Washington yeah. Commanders are hiring – now ben Johnson, the young offensive coordinator of the Lions, who's done such a good job with that Detroit offense. And then you got Dan Quinn. There's a lot of talk that you know Dan Quinn's going to end up in Seattle. Um, so I, yeah, it's like the musical chairs. You're running out of chairs here at this point. So I, honestly, I don't. I think I think Belichick's. I don't think Belichick's going to have a job. I don't either. I think I Atlanta. Think, and Atlanta's the yeah. only place he was high. was interviewed. Yeah, exactly. I don't think Belichick's going to have a gig. And if you're Belichick, do you just you don't take a coordinator job? There's no way. No, There's he'll, he'll no go to TV. Way. He'll have to go to TV. He have to go to TV for a while. No, he can't go to TV. It's more likely he's a coordinator than go to TV. The guy doesn't talk. <laughs> well, he mumbles. I did hear somebody. He mumbles. But it might have been one of the former Patriots saying, you know what? If he did get to go to TV, he'd actually be good. If you when you get Bill Belichick in a press conference, he just mumbles. Uh, and kind of very, very monotone. But if you are around him normally, he, he'll talk. He'll, he'll be more animated than you imagine. But know, uh, the insights you would get from Bill Belichick might be worth it to a network. I mean, it only takes one. There's a lot of uh, opportunity. We'll see. But you're right. He might just have nothing. He no, 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 be... no. He has, he has knowledge, of course. I'm just is he, he doesn't he doesn't share knowledge with his own damn team. Yeah, well, this guy notoriously doesn't share knowledge with his own coaches and his own team. That's why his coaching tree is so bad. At least that's my theory. But we all know he operates in a very secretive, clandestine fashion and doesn't share information. When when um, yeah, that is when, not good on when, TV. When Jared Mayo said uh, when he had his press conference, he said we were we were not operating silos, meaning. We will share information around here, yeah. all right? We will not – one hand will know what the other is doing. <laughs> uh, yeah, and that's not the way that Bill Belichick operated around there. He wanted to – almost like in a J. Edgar Hoover fashion, he, he wanted to monopolize information and isolate information. So I guess I, information, in, information is power, right? So I guess that's the way he saw it, and he didn't share it with his coaches, didn't share it, uh, honestly, a lot of it with his players. He shared it, enough, of him, enough of it for them to get their job done but not enough of it for them to be able to gain the knowledge base that he did because he was always paranoid about that. But either way, my point is, if you don't share information with your coaches, why would I think you're going to share information with the world? Okay? Yeah, on TV. Yeah. Uh, well, is that if you're just talking about games and talking about the, you know the, this the game the game you're watching or whatever? We'll see. No, I mean it's uh, it, it's pretty clear the league was not interested in even interviewing Bill Belichick. No. Because um, of maybe what you just said, there was also now reports in uh, in Atlanta that. You know, Arthur Blank, uh, the owner, the 81-year-old owner, uh, wanted Bill Belichick, but uh, maybe the front office, Rich McKay, uh, the, the CEO and, and team president, um, because, I mean, the, the, you could almost argue that there was a power struggle here that if Belichick was going to take it, he wanted Rich McKay out because he wants to report directly to ownership, right, like he has forever yeah. with Robert Kraft. And obviously Rich McKay didn't want that. Or uh, Rich McKay represents the Falcons on the competition committees and in league business. And then Terry Fontenot is their general manager. There's a chain of command? Chain of command, yeah. Uh, Strong chain of command in Atlanta. Yeah. And, uh, but they've had three straight seven and ten seasons. They're looking to upgrade. And they go Raheem Morris. Uh, in that spot, I know Raheem Morris. That's, that's that's I think that's a good hire. They know each other too. They do. There's a history there. There is, and I mentioned when Dan Quinn was fired in 2020 during the season. And of course, after they made it to the Super Bowl with Kyle Shanahan as the offensive coordinator, mm-hmm. we're up 28 to three. We know that they collapsed and lost that game. After that, uh, Kyle Shanahan left to go to San Francisco, and things 
you know, slot, slipped for Dan Quinn, obviously, and Matt Ryan all of a sudden got pretty old looking at quarterback, and, yep. and Dan Quinn got fired uh, early on in that season, and Raheem Morris actually coached the last 11 games. No, Raheem Morris is, he's, that's a, you know, he's gotten better as a coach. He really has. Remember, he was a fast riser early on. Oh, yeah, he was very – he's 47 now, so he yes. was a coach 2009 to 20 – He was my oh. quality control coach in Tampa. No, he, on that staff, that staff was loaded. Uh, Mike Tomlin was the DB coach. Uh, Kiffin was the defensive coordinator. Raheem Morris was the was a quality control coach on his staff. Rod Marinelli, I believe, was like the D, wow. uh, D line. So, oh, no, that I'm telling you, that, that – that that was a loaded. I, I learned a lot. I wasn't there that long, but I learned a lot. Well, and that's the thing about Raheem Morris, right? He was a head coach of Tampa. Yep. Oh nine to eleven, and the record yep. was not good, and maybe a little little too early for him. Not a great team, and uh, you know he went back through, and now here he is getting a second chance at forty seven years old. And as you're right, I mean he. Uh, that Rams defense, it wasn't all Sean McVay's offense to help them win the Super Bowl. It no. was Raheem Morris coordinating that defense. Even this year, uh, they were pretty good on that side of the Did ball. Uh, so he gets the job. I think that, you know, I don't think I would have mentioned Raheem Morris. But the fact that he coached there and was there were some that wanted them to hire him full-time after coaching the last 11 games in 2020, that didn't happen. They passed him over and uh, – you know, went a different direction. Well, now here's Raheem Morris coming back. Has yeah. uh, To me, the, the front office, the brass, the Rich McKay, uh, Terry Fontenot uh, duo won yeah. out over Arthur mm-hmm. Blank. Yeah. Owner wanted Belichick. They said, no, no, this is the smarter football play yeah. right now. Yeah. Because, again. I think it, you're right about that. Because, I mean, the, when, you, when you mentioned Bill Belichick, you just mentioned the negative, right? I mean, he's, he's not a sharer of information. He's clandestine. <laughs> And he's not in it for very long, right? He, he he wants to get the wins and pass Don Shula, and but is he a long-term coach? I mean, yeah. if you, you know, I know that doesn't always work out, but if you're an owner and you're an organization, you're trying to hire a coach for the next ten years. You'd like to hire someone who's going to be there. That's a while. always the goal. Yeah, that's who you're. Yeah. You know, you I mean if you're down in Houston now, if you hire D'Amico Ryan's, you hey, this guy's going to be here and the face of our franchise for the next decade. Um, that's going to be great for us. Bill Belichick, two or three years max. And that's and that's a great point. That that's his goal. Like, you already know what his goal is coming in. It has nothing to do with the team. What his main goals, if not his main goal is, listen, I got to win this many. I got to win enough games to, to pass Shula in the next two years. And then after that, I, yeah, that's a, I, I agree with you. That's, yeah, I think that's why a lot of teams haven't decided to go. But I, among other factors that they know behind the scenes that we don't know they're privy to, it's uh, really about uh, hiring a younger coach um, who can have more sustainability over you know, a longer period of time, period. And I agree with that. Yeah, and, the, yeah. and then, you know, the, the, the fact that no He's one else – be there for 10 years. The fact that, that no one else even wanted to interview him tells you that there was the league. In, information in and around yes. the league circles that, you know – His time you, had passed. He's going to want probably more authority than you want to give him at this point. Uh, and the last couple of years in New England were pretty ugly. Uh, whatever his overall – The post-Brady years. The post-Brady years were not great. Yeah. And, and the uh, pre-Brady years – were okay. Yeah. <laughs> Pre Brady and post Brady also hurts him. I think. I am. I, but but to sit here on this Friday morning and say I'm not, you know, pretty shocked that no one's going to hire Bill Belichick with eight I openings. Am. I thought for sure somebody would. I would. Um, yeah. And you know, it sounded like it got pretty close in Atlanta, but in the end, the uh, the power struggle went to the front office, and they bring in a guy that they're very comfortable with, and Raheem Morris, who gets a second chance, uh, and will take over that Atlanta job. Dave Canales is an interesting name coming down in Carolina. I, I kind of felt like that that job was not going to go to a big name just because it's not seen as a great job right now. Um, because they just well, they fired Matt Rule and they didn't even give the next guy a year to finish one full season. Frank Reich was out middle of his first year. It's like uh, if you're a coach, you're like, man, that's 
That's a pretty quick trigger there, Dave Tepper. Um, yeah. So I don't know that you were going to get a Mike Vrabel, um, but maybe. I, don't, well. I know they, they interviewed him. But Dave Canales comes in one year yeah. with – I mean, here, here's the resume for Dave Canales. He knows Dan Morgan very well. Dan Morgan, the, the great linebacker, mm-hmm. uh, was just, at Carolina and Seattle, was just hired to be the, the team president and general manager. He knows Dave Canales very well. And over the past two seasons, he was the coordinator and worked with Baker Mayfield this year. And previous to that, one year previous was in Seattle with Geno Smith, when both of those guys had great years, like arguably their best years. Career highs. Not for, even, not even yeah. arguably, their best yeah. years as quarterbacks. So he's seen as a quarterback developer too. And a guy, you got a guy in Bryce Young that needs developed. Uh, yeah, well, you got a guy, uh, not just a quarterback developer. Um, it's a little different, right? There are quarterback developers. Are, you're talking about the ability to resuscitate a QB skill set. Yeah. To rehabilitate a QB skill set. That's what he did with Baker Mayfield. That's what he did with Geno Smith. The securitist route those guys went to to become franchise quarterbacks again, right? That was Geno's like eighth year or something. Like that. Yeah. Eighth or ninth year, and he finally has his best year ever. Baker Mayfield, the reinvention. So it's it's one thing to be a quarterback developer. A lot of guys want to claim that being being a quarterback whisperer, quarterback nurturer. But there's a new uh, skill set um, for that group that also kind of separates from the pack. The ability, can you rehab, rehabilitate, resuscitate a QB skill set? A guy that once was considered uh, an elite, or at least had elite traits at quarterback, but for some reason has not been able to, we haven't been able to maximize it. And that, that's happened all over the NFL, right? Jared Goff. That's yeah. why Sean McVay became a made man. Sean McVay came in and was like, no, no, I can work with Jerry Goff, and then turned him into a Super Bowl quarterback. And I was like, I thought he was a bust. And he's like, no, nah, man, he's not a bust. <laughs> you guys just don't know what the hell y'all and doing. this is why Ben and Johnson's going to get a job. Exactly, same thing with Ben Johnson. So that is now and Brian Dable. Uh, Brian Dable was, was able to do this, right, with Daniel Jones for a little bit. Make Daniel Jones a capable quarterback when everybody thought, oh, man, Daniel Jones, he's done. He bring out the best in Josh Allen. <laughs> we know Josh Allen is a turnover-prone quarterback, period. That's what he does. But under Brian Dable, wasn't the case. In the case, right, yeah. Right. So it's it's it's. I think you it's now. There's a group like that that is becoming. And Canales is now. He can put his uh, card in the uh, kind of <laughs> in the pile with the rest of them. That he could be a made man if he does that with Bryce Young. I mean, he, he could end up leaving there and going somewhere else. Yeah. I know that's, that's crazy to say that, but if he don't like the owner, but he does that with Bryce Young. He'll have his pick of the litter of any job because anybody will take him just because he is elite at being able to resuscitate a skill set of a QB. Resuscitate meaning, and when I hear you say that, you know, it's just coaching, right? You coach him up, but you also build an offense and structure an offense that, yeah. that is tailored to his strengths, yep. that player's strengths. And mm-hmm. uh, whether it's Baker Mayfield or Geno Smith, um, it's not like they, he, you know, they became better throwers of the football or whatever no. it was. You, you build an offense that you know, suits that, that quarterback and plays to the strengths. Is what you have to do yeah. with Bryce Young because Bryce Young is not like those other guys. He's a different style of quarterback. And you've know, you got to give him some weapons and you've got to protect the guy a little bit. Mm-hmm. And Car- Carolina's got other issues yeah. too. So that's a tough job. That's an uphill job. Atlanta job. can be good pretty quick if Raheem Morris hires the right offensive coordinator and they find a quarterback. Uh, in this cycle. So uh, there are six filled, two left, Washington, who we're hearing and some reporting, uh, Bo- Boomer Esiason, that it's going to be Ben Johnson, the Detroit OC, as soon as he's available. And then uh, Seattle, which, again, we'll keep an eye on. Mike Vrabel is interviewed there. Dan Quinn, of course, uh, with John Schneider, yeah, the general manager. Be interesting because there have been some curveballs here, right? We, oh, man. <laughs> we thought organizations were going one way. Atlanta, obviously, that's another example. And then they decided to go a different route. So, I mean, Atlanta interviewed 14 different coaches. Yeah. 
for their vacancy. So they they did a thorough thorough search and they they did their due diligence. I mean, that's, I, that's by the way I always said that's what I would do too. I would interview as many candidates as possible just because you learn more and you can kind of siphon and steal ideas. But I, I you know what, Garner Raheem Morris makes a lot of sense for them, um, and he's a guy that I don't know who their have they decided who they're uh, coming in, who their offensive coordinator is going to be? That's going to be Atlanta, big. no. That will any defensive guy get a job, even Mayo with the Patriots? My first question is, who's your OC? Well, that's what we said last who's year at this time when D'Amico Ryans came to Houston. It's yeah. like, who's he going to hire? And, who's it was your like, and they brought in Bobby Slowick, and you were like, well, that's a first year guy, never called plays. But, you know, now he's yes. up for Assistant Coach of the Year award yeah. in, in, in pro that's, football. That, that's a great point, E. I can tell you right now, Raheem Morris, go look at his resume. The McShanahan's like him. Right, he was on the staff with uh, uh, Mike Shanahan in Washington when he was with Dan Quinn. I can I, I can almost guarantee that Cal Shanahan made that recommendation, uh, like, like, like that. Hey man, no, this guy's the real deal. I mean, he was there anyway because he was part of that that that, that uh, Atlanta staff. But my point is, like, he was uh, Shanahan was a big fan of him. They they have been, and remember Sean McVay uh, in the in the Mike Shanahan tree. So I can almost guarantee you that. He's going to end up hiring somebody from the – and that's the most popular offense anyway. <laughs> he's probably going to end up hiring somebody from the McShanahan tree. We just probably from that Ram staff that he's well, leading. That, exactly. Much like D'Amico Ryan just did, yes. right? You, yes. you take someone who you know is an up-and-comer and a fast riser yes. under Sean McVay. Uh, and we know in Atlanta, Arthur Smith was calling the plays and running the offense, so they need a, a new offensive uh, you know, leader. And they also need a quarterback there because I don't believe Desmond Ritter or Taylor Heineke are the starting quarterback in Atlanta moving forward. But no. uh, So those are hired. We'll get it. Rod will take us behind the burn orange curtain coming up in our, in our next segment about the new Longhorn defensive line coach. It looks like it'll be um, also from the NFL ranks, Kenny Baker, with a pretty extensive college background, but also a now one year in the National Football League, seeing the de- of a developer of players. Rod will get you his thoughts on that coming up behind the BOC. Uh, real quick on the NFL, Rod. Uh, we also got to get to this Kayshawn Boutte situation. Buto out of uh, LSU. What a story. Yeah. This thing is unbelievable. Gambling in sports is always uh, one of those you know, radioactive conversations. This one's big. We'll get to that coming up. Uh, but the finalists were announced for the awards I mentioned in the headlines, Rod. Uh, real quick, MVP, is that going to be Lamar Jackson? Because remember, this vote yeah. was taken at the end of the regular season. Yeah. Nothing that's happened in the postseason happened before these votes were in and tallied. So, I mean, I think it's going to be Lamar Jackson followed by Dak Prescott for MVP. I think Dak Prescott will finish second for that award. Um, that's sad. <laughs> but I think no, it is. I mean, it's sad. One guy's going to be playing for a Super Bowl, and the other guy's sitting at home because he lost. Well, actually, two of them because Brock Purdy and uh, Chris well, McCaffrey. Saying, both... like, in terms of what you just said, the comparison of oh, Lamar sure, Jack, he'll be second. Yeah, one, but one is first. What is first and what is second? And the guy that's second is sitting at home, and the and guy has is been. First. Yeah, for a while, for a couple of weeks now. And yeah, so that's I was gonna say that's why it's. And I believe the way, and this is a new format for voting. You you each voter for the AP put their ball at one through five, right? You rank them mm-hmm. first, second, and then they'll do a t- accumulation of points, right? Total total first place vote, second place, third place. I think it'll probably end up being Lamar Jackson with his strong finish and what okay. they've done in Baltimore. I, I would guess Dak Prescott's too. I think probably Brock the fact because you know the, the the five finalists were announced for these awards based on kind of like the Heisman Trophy does you know total points, uh, and I would imagine Chris Christian McCaffrey and Brock Purdy probably split some votes mm-hmm. for, from some people. Yeah, you're right about that. And then Josh Allen is on the list, but uh, you know I think you're, you're there's only one winner, so I think it'll be Lamar Jackson. How about no, they can't they can do they can do two. I guess you could have they co. Can split it. They can do co MVP. They've done it before. That's. 
I don't think they will. I don't think that'll come out. We'll yeah. see. We'll know February 8th. Uh, that's the Thursday before the Super Bowl in Las Vegas. Cowboys wide receiver CeeDee Lamb also on that list for Offensive Player of the Year. Uh, Ty- Tyreek Hill's on that list. I yeah. mean, uh, Christian McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey. Yeah. Whoever um, doesn't win MVP that's on that list will probably win Offensive Player of the Year. Also, Deron Bland and Micah Parsons on the defensive side. Is that a Miles Garrett or a T.J. Watt award? T.J. Watt with 19 sacks. Miles Garrett, Max Crosby, good to see him on there. But two Cowboys on the defensive side. <laughs> and uh, down in Houston, Rod, I, I, I hope D'Amico Ryans wins the Coach of the Year. But let's remember the, the, the Cleveland head-to-head matchup hadn't happened before the votes were in. No. And Kevin Stefanski very well may win that award. He could. Uh, from Cleveland because they, you know, win 11 and, or 12 and what, 11 and 5 with a four different, four different starting quarterbacks and the resurrection of Joe Flacco. So we'll see. But, man, D'Amico Ryan certainly uh, a worthy winner of that award. Uh, I think Houston will likely sweep the, uh, the Rookie of the Year awards, much like the Jets did last year. I think you're going to see C.J. Stroud and Will Anderson. Uh, win offensive and defensive rookie of the year, and Bobby Slowick has a good claim for assistant coach of the year. Yeah, he does have a good claim for. I bet, it. I bet Devin that goes, Devin Witherspoon though it could end up winning that defensive rookie. You're right. Oh, from Seattle, he's a really good player. He was the fifth pick out of Illinois and did a yeah, real good job. Yeah. Uh, for the but Todd oh, Munkin, also assistant coach of the year, he might get. And it. I put Ben Johnson in there too. Yeah. You're right. He's one of the finalists. Yeah, that's honestly Mike McDonald could win. That that might be the tightest race. Honestly, all of them have a legitimate claim to it, and yep. they could. Uh, you could argue any of them could win it. Hundred percent. I don't know about Jim Schwartz. Take him out. I mean, he's not he's Cleveland's defensive coordinator. Yeah, but I don't, I think Bobby Slowick, Todd Monk, and Mike McDonald, Ben Johnson have a better case. Well, remember they had to vote one through five. So, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, you're 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 ranking them, and then we'll see who comes out on top uh, on February eighth. But you know, those three with Houston having. Coach of the Year finalist, Assistant Coach of the Year, Will Anderson and C.J. Stroud as finalists, even if they don't win them, that would make Nick Casario the executive of the year, right? I mean, he uh-huh. hired – he made the hires that led to this. I mean, I mean, you have to. I mean, it almost would – that resume would say, yeah, who had, who had the best year as an executive? Uh, Brad Holmes had a good one, Detroit. Detroit. But it, that's been more of a the three-year build of I what know. they've done. I just, yeah, I, yeah, I'm with you. I, I agree with you. But, you know, I just, I'll throw out another name. That's a good name. That's, that's a strong name. It's not like the, I think it is Casario. I'm with you. I think it's I mean, to, pretty obvious it to is. To hire too. a coach for, in his first year is up for coach of the year. Yeah. Gonna have, you're going to have the potentially offensive and defensive rookies of the year uh, through the draft picks that you made and the draft night and uh, first, trade and that and you first made. first-time head coach. Yeah. You're not a head coach of the year. It's first-time head coach. Like you said, you did all that within the calendar year. And, <laughs> and right ahead of it, you, you dealt with the Deshaun Watson mess and, uh, you know, restocked your, your, dra- your draft capital and have had this organization on a really good course now down in Houston. So uh, I don't think they had that award. Uh, I, I don't know when that award gets announced. Yeah. I know they have it every year. There's an executive of the year award given out. Oh yeah, out. no, they give it out. I just they, it's weird. They don't. It's like I don't know if they vote on it. I yeah, don't know how. It, I don't know who who's responsible for it, but I don't know if they vote on it. I don't like either. This. That's I'll look yeah. that up. But it is an executive. Yeah, you're right, and I think you're right about Casario winning it too. All right, coming up, Rod takes it behind the BOC. We'll get to some what the facts and Kayshawn Boutte made how many bets? Oh my gosh! Yes, uh, details coming on that. Uh, this guy Damn. had he was a he was a, he he was a student athlete second. He was a whale. He was a professional better first. <laughs> he was a – that was crazy. What do you do? How does he even go to school? How does he even have time to do anything? He's got to be betting while he's doing – he's like multitasking here. Yeah, we'll get you He's the like details. Will Chamberlain numbers, man. We'll get you the details. <laughs> uh, he was betting a lot, let's say that, while, while he was at LSU and playing football for the, uh, for the Tigers. We'll be back. Hook it up with Ian Rodby. Just getting warmed up on a Friday. Aaron Hogan. Rod Babers. Aaron Hogan. Rod Babers. Ho.
Hook Em Up, 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Friday on The Horn, it's championship weekend in the NFL, AFC and NFC championship games on tap. Final four, make your picks. Who's going to the Super Bowl? We'll find out Sunday afternoon and evening. Also talking NFL awards and honors, coaching carousel in the NFL. And uh, to your point, I mentioned uh, maybe Nick Casario is the executive of the year with his uh, his work hiring D'Amico Ryans in the draft they had. Uh, you mentioned Brad Holmes of Detroit. Hard to argue with him as well because uh, not only has he got his, you know, is the general manager of the Detroit Lions, has the Lions playing to go to a Super Bowl for the first time in franchise history on Sunday. He also drafted two players who were are one of the five finalists for Rookie of the Year offensively. Oh, yeah, Jameer, and Jameer Gibbs. Gibbs and Sam Laporta, uh, the tight end. So it's a pretty good draft. They also yeah. drafted a starter, a linebacker. I mean, they had a hell of a draft that helped you know fill some holes and take them over the top in the NFC. So Brad Holmes in Detroit would be a strong candidate there, as, as you said, with Executive of the Year. Uh, right, real quick, Rod, before we go behind the BOC, and we'll reset those awards and all those conversations for folks who are just jumping in on a Friday morning. But um, – Developing story off the field in the NFL where New England Patriots wide receiver Kayshawn Boutte wow. arrested yesterday. Charges related to illegal online gaming while he was underage and playing football at LSU. Mm-hmm. Boutte is accused of creating an online betting account under a fake name. And he actually you know, did it through his mom's account through his, with his mom's credit card. Mm. And then placed more than 8,900 8, illegal bets. He was essentially making almost 25 bets a day. Like, for a stretch. What the hell? How? State police said in a news release that at least 17 bets were on NCAA football games. Six of those were ragers on LSU football while he was playing for LSU. Investigators said the efforts led to more than $500,000 in winnings. Ooh. Most of that money was used to place additional bets, which is what a gambler do. He was a professional gambler. <laughs> yeah. No, he was. He was, no. Just a, he was a professional gambler is what he was. And what's what Ty aspires to be. Keisha Boutte was already doing it. Yeah. So uh, and so, I'm assuming because these guys can't plead ignorance anymore on this stuff. No, uh, they, they're definitely being I, they're definitely being formed of the rules and the laws. Uh, if and I'm well, I don't know. I'm, I'm sure LSU, LSU's administration has done that. Compliance, every school, yeah. every school is doing this. Like, yeah, there are people in charge, <laughs> literally, of having these seminars with the student athletes to let them know, hey, this is what you can and cannot do. Uh, it, it wasn't my day, so I know it's still happening now. And they have even more of the ever-changing landscape. So they can't plead ignorance anymore. Like, what? I didn't know. Nah, man. What? That's, that's, that's absurd. That is a lot. And that's it, absurd. And that's, it, not even, that's not even like casual wagering. No, that's, that's serious. That's, again, 22 to 25 bets a day. No, you got an addiction. Either you got an addiction or you're a pro professional gambler. Which one is it? Well, he won a lot. He won 500 grand. So it sounds like, <laughs> sounds like he's, he's a professional gambler then. Yeah. He's oh, good he's at both. it. He's good at it. But he was underage. And, and he's betting on his own team. And he's betting and on his own team. Betting on your own team while you play, we know that. that That is frowned upon <laughs> in any league, anywhere, at any time. Well, there are there are laws in the state of Louisiana that he's broken, allegedly. Yeah. And then there's going to be the situation fe- under the NCAA law oh, yeah. rules that are different than that. But, yeah, this thing just beginning, so a developing story, as we say. He plays for the uh, Patriots right now. We'll see this all stemmed from his time in, in Baton Rouge. So we'll get you details on that. Also more on what the facts before the top of the hour. Your thoughts on all these coaching hires. It does look like the cycle with eight openings may come and go without Bill Belichick. 
landing a job. Mike Vrabel may not land a job at yeah. this point. Interesting what Vrabel decides to do. I think Vrabel's going to just hold out too. I think he'll just sit sit out one year then and wait on the next coaching carousel. Yeah. Uh, he's proven, but at the same time, look, coaches, you know, organizations go in different directions Man, here. Man, I've learned all this. For I've learned this. Just because you're good at your job does not guarantee you job security. No, that's 100% true. <laughs> that's 100%. You can be good at your job. We're talking to all y'all out there, all of us. You can be good at your job. It don't mean you got job security. We all know that. We all know that. <laughs> can we go behind the burnt orange curtain of a major development from Texas football yesterday as well? And they were all asking themselves the same question. What? What? Is behind that curtain. All right. Let's talk about the latest coaching hire for the Texas Longhorns. We've been waiting for a long time for the Longhorns to uh, hire the D-line coach. And we uh, know now that it will be Kenny Baker, who is the defensive line coach for Texas. He was most recently, or most recently with the Miami Dolphins, their assistant D-line coach. And now he's going to be the D-line coach at Texas on his resume. Just really quickly, uh, this is a guy that was at Western Kentucky uh, for a few years as the D-ends coach and D-line coach at one point. Uh, before that, he was at um, uh, Mercer at one point uh, in his coaching career, Barry College. He's, he's, he's a fast riser, meteoric rise. He's talking about a guy that's been coaching at the FBS and the NFL level for five years. 11 years total coaching, you know, at the outside of high school um, at a level higher than high school. And he's already, you know, rose to the NFL level. It does say a lot about him as a player. He played at Gardner-Webb. He was a team captain there, defensive player of the year for them, like a really good player uh, on the defensive line for them. Um, Three-year starter, ended up getting his master's and the you know, dean's list. So he's a really smart guy. But like I said, he's a fast riser. Really, you don't see there to get to the NFL. Remember, I had I gave you my nepotism take, right? Uh, to get to the NFL, you either got to be related to coaching, coaching be the family business that helps, right? You have a a revolutionary or groundbreaking technique or uh, scheme that the NFL likes, and then that gets you in your NFL circles. Uh, you got to be a great developer of talent. Maybe you just, you know, guys can just develop talent. And that's all the NFL cares about. Like, no, no, make this guy better. I invested money in this guy. I drafted him. Make him better. Can you make him better? That's good. That's all we need to know. Uh, which is what a lot of coaches like, right? They don't want to get into recruiting and a lot of the other uh, different, all the other elements that you have to deal with as being a college football coach. And I, you know, I think that he probably is in the NFL because he is a developer of talent. Like I, I can't find anything in his resume and his background to say he's related to NFL coaches. I didn't, he didn't have a groundbreaking technique or like I think Brendan Marion, right? The go-go offense. The world came to see Brendan Marion. It was like, man, what is this go-go offense you're looking, you're doing right now? Even the NFL started to steal the ideas from the go-go offense. So that's why he became a fast riser. So there's always a reason for it. I think uh, what tells me about just the, the resume of Kenny Baker, he's a fast riser probably because he's a really good developer of talent, and it's a lot of the quotes from coaches, and we'll get into some of these, about Kenny Baker. They suggest a guy is, is, is fantastic at being able to maximize talent. But also, as you guys know, I've said this before, you, it, he, he's got to be good at networking. 
if you get to the NFL and it wasn't because of family connections, the family business, then that says he's a guy, especially he's a fast riser, right? Five years to FBS uh, and the uh, NFL level coaching, 11 years total coaching, and he's already a D-line coach at Texas and was already assistant D-line coach with the Miami Dolphins. This is a guy that makes connections, cultivates connections, relationships matter to him, and he's a guy that can maximize those relationships. By the way, that's recruiting. That's recruiting in a nutshell. <laughs> that's, that's, it. that's really all it is. Like if, you can, if you value relationships and you're able to cultivate them, that's in the nutshell. So he doesn't have a history in Texas recruiting uh, in the state, but in terms of being able to, uh, you know, being able to, tr- to translate that skill of just being uh, a person who values relationships with Texas high school football coaches, I think that's something that Sark was able to identify in him, that, oh, no, no, he won't have any problem you know, developing relationships in the state of Texas. Sark knows what it takes because Sark was an outsider to the state of Texas. He really hadn't had many, you know, inroads and had many ties and connections to the state of Texas. But now he knows these high school football coaches pretty damn well, and I think he'll, he knows someone that will, uh, that will be able to, to talk to them and communicate with them in a way that they understand and in a way that they would appreciate. So I think I'm not – I know a lot of people are worried about the recruiting aspect. By the way, he is from Georgia – and mostly the Atlanta area. I think so. He played high school football was Lakeside, which is in the suburbs of Atlanta. I've told you guys this before. In the last four years, right, right, since 2020, there is no metro area in the country producing NFL draftable players at a higher rate than Atlanta's metro area. And that's where he has all of his ties. So Sark might not, might not even care about him being able to you know, relate to Texas high school football coaches. He might say, man, I need you recruiting Atlanta. <laughs> well, look at you. T- and we go into the SEC, and that's the heart of the SEC. Yeah, that's the Deep South, and that's where a lot of your best defensive linemen and defensive tackles come from, the Deep South. Amen, brother. Uh, and then you want to be able to develop them. I think everything you just said is, you know, because this is kind of like a who? who? Uh, who is yes, this guy? I get it. But everything you just said, you know, paints a, a very a good resume. I mean, this guy was the defensive line coach at Mercer up until 2018, five seasons at Mercer. Exactly. And from 2018, in a, in a short amount of time, ended up in the NFL because he went to Western Kentucky and developed a kid there that uh, – uh, you know, went to UT Chattanooga, then Western Kentucky. D'Angelo Malone, Malone yeah, yeah, became the Conference USA Defensive Player of the Year. Now, he, he got, was a, he was Defensive Player of the Year twice, and I believe he was Defensive Player of the Year before he got there, too. Yeah. Just to throw it out there. And he ended up a third-round draft pick. Yeah. And, uh, so he was a good player. And then he's off to the Dolphins. So, yes, he, he can network. Network, man. <laughs> and he's, he's, he's a smart guy, as you mentioned. And um, you know, and then develop the players, then which is what your job is. And look, if you're if you're building a, a ten person staff that can recruit, you want you want to be able to recruit all over the country, right? You you look at it with the way Sark's staff is now. You got Johnny Nansen now coming in from Arizona, where he has great ties on the West Coast yep. and great ties that direction. PK uh, Pete Kwiatkowski brings those. They have coaches that have great ties in the state of Texas already, uh, and and you know they're building that, especially in South Dallas and down into Houston. Um, you know Terry Joseph has deep ties into uh, Louisiana. Louisiana. Uh, where you've seen Arch Manning and uh, uh, Derek, uh, Williams, the safety coming and in, Derek Williams, Derek Williams. I mean, again, you want a staff that can go. You, you, know, you don't want you don't want to isolate on one place, right? You want to be able to recruit well all over the country, and you see Sark Sark building that. And obviously, he blew away the interview. When exactly. Sark interviewed him. It was a, he, he, it's guys. You did, trust me. I know a lot of coaches, and I studied this community. Uh, I've been talking to Coach Shipley about this too the other day. Coach Bob Shipley, to be a fast riser like that, like I said, it, it, the resume tells me without even doing intimate deep dive is that oh man, the guy networks like a like a mofo. Like he's a networker. Like when he when he meets somebody, he they immediately like him. He cultivates relationships, and that's that's how you get to the NFL. 
add to, that's how you become a fast rise. I don't get to that. That's how you become a fast rise. The NFL doesn't want you there unless you can do one thing for him, and that's develop talent. Yeah. Or you bring your scheme with you. He's not a scheme guy. He's an assistant coach. He was a coordinator at the lower level, but I think they want him there because he could develop talent. That's why the NFL brought him there as an assistant D line coach. So, and and by the way, uh, Chip Brown had a great piece about him. He talked to a source that said, uh, who said he's a young, hungry technician who has developed. Uh, and help groom NFL talent. So that's one source talking about him. And, other, and he also said he's an elite teacher and developer of talent with energy to burn on the recruiting trail. And so that's, you know, that's, this, is a, this is a coach apparently that knows him really well. Um, a relentless work ethic and passion for the game, uh, the coach said. Just a great developer of talent. He's going to be uh, very precise. He's going to be technical. And I think that the talent development is the biggest piece with him. That's what they got, an elite developer of talent and an elite teacher. So there's something going on with him, guys. We know it's got to be. Well, and look, I would, I would take it back to Sark. Sark was clearly looking for something. And those traits you just heard – from Chip's report, or what they were looking for. They're looking for young, aggressive, eager to recruit, eager to develop, eager to build relationships. I mean, that's what you want when you're replacing Bo Davis. Um, and I'm assuming the name Kenny Baker came back from enough people that Sark talked to. I mean, you got to talk to this guy. Yeah, talk to this dude. You got to talk to this guy. This sounds like you're, this sounds like that's what you're looking for. Because you know, as we know, in, in any industry, it's not always just the name and the experience. It's really okay. This this guy fits exactly what we're looking for in this spot. And he also has ties into the Deep South, which we want to continue to grow our recruiting Once base the into the Deep South as we go into the SEC. Yeah, he can help us with that too. So Kenny Baker uh, appears to be the the, uh, the hire to replace Bo Davis. Big shoes to fill, obviously with Bo Davis back to his alma mater at LSU. Uh, we'll talk more about this throughout the morning. Also, Rod will have a rant coming up in our next hour, more on the AFC and NFC Championship games. We'll also get to uh, some what the facts, Rod, before the top of this hour as we get you rolling. A lot going on. Coaching carousel in the NFL is spinning. Jim Harbaugh followed by two more yesterday in the NFL. Uh, and we've got Championship Sunday coming your way fast on Sunday. Took him up with Ian Rod B. We roll back. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, hook them up. 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Our official picks on the uh, championship games this weekend coming up. Got to make them. Oh, yeah. Don't tell them Texas or come after us Monday saying I told you so. If you didn't tell us on Friday, Rod, make your pick. Who's going to the Super Bowl? We'll make those picks coming up. Rod's got a rant in the next hour as well. Uh, time for what the facts coming off of behind the burn orange curtain. It is a fact, Rod, that uh, in this coaching carousel time, former Texas A&M quarterback and current Houston Texans quarterbacks coach, Gerard Johnson, will be yeah. interviewing for the Pittsburgh Steelers offensive coordinator mm. post today. That's a, that's a good that's, that's good for him, man. He's, he's on the rise. Yeah. He's on the rise as a quarterback developer and quarterback coach. I remember coach. watching him. Uh, not watching him, but listening to him. He was doing radio. In Houston for a while, on uh, 610 for a while, doing doing really good. I mean, well, of course, he battled with Ryan Tannehill yeah. uh, down at Texas A&M for the quarterback job there. Play, played four seasons for the Aggies from 07 to 10. Um, had some cups of coffee in the NFL, but now coaching is his thing. And C.J. Stroud's rookie of the year caliber year helps him – you know, land some yep. interviews. Good for him. Good luck to Gerard Johnson. Looking to uh, man at staff. See, that's and that's we'll find out if D'Amico, you know, how well he is at being able to replenish because he's going to lose Bobby Slowick pretty quick here. Yeah, he is. And then that's and that's another guy that would have been able to replace Bobby Slowick for you. Can I say something? So you real might want to try to keep him around. And be like, hey man, listen, you got the gig if Slowick leaves. Just say so you no. Know. Oh, we'll give it to you. Yeah, he's you're right about that. Potentially, potentially, but he might want to go with a, a guy from the McShanahan tree. He might go pluck. One of, one of the McShanahan guys again. Well, if Slowick doesn't get one of these final two gigs, and I don't know that he will, 
then he'll be back for another season in Houston. Which, But, by the way, if Bobby Sloak were to get one of these two jobs that are open, Man, that Washington Reds, uh, Washington was well, still the Redskins then, Washington Commander staff from back in the day with that Kyle Shanahan was a part of, where it's where you come up with the McShanahan clan, they would have six NFL coaches off that staff if yeah. Bobby Sloak landed. They have five right now with Raheem Morris getting a deal. Uh, there would be six of 32 if, if and when Bobby Slowick, the Texans offensive coordinator, gets a gig. Say when. <laughs> That's it's, six. It's definitely going to happen. Quarter of the league. Yeah. No, I mean, the, the NFL is – they've that is definitely right now the most popular offense. And, like I said, you know Raheem Morris because he's from that tree, or at least he's been around it a lot. I think he's going to go to it as well. And I, I'm trying to see who he's going to pluck from it, but – I don't know. Slow. That would be a parallel. That would be like a lateral move, so he's not going to do that. But I can see him getting another one. So crazy, man. To make Shanahan coaching tree. It is what it is. I mean, it's uh, cur- <laughs> currently the, those, those coaches would be Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, Matt LaFleur, Mike McDaniel, Raheem Morris. And if Bobby Slowick gets a gig, it would be six. There are five current. It's, it's just crazy. Like that, <laughs> right? Isn't that just, and they were all on the same staff in Washington in 2013. All on the same staff. All on the same staff. Yeah, that, and, and Washington ended up – man, who they ended up having after that? Jay Gruden? Who was the coach after yeah. that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is it Jay Gruden? Wow. Yeah. Well, and remember, Mike Holmgren and Green Bay had staffs like that, right, that all ended up going to be yes, head coaches. Belichick had a couple of staffs like that actually in, um, in with the Browns. Yeah, he did. With the Browns, he had some of those staffs. You're right. I mean, that, that is an art form as well. Yeah. As a coach, being able to hire, you know, the right guys, young up-and-coming coach, being able to identify, oh, this is a great young coach. Listen, people were saying that D'Amico Rance was going to be a, a great – Chip Kelly said that like, he was going to be a great coach when he was still a player. He was yeah. like, no, it, it, D'Amico Rance would be a hell of a coach. Yeah, when he went to Philadelphia after you right? know, playing most of his career in Houston. It's going to be something to be able to identify – a guy like, you know what I mean? To identify that. I, I certain to, traits that are going to make it uh, more compatible. Yeah. What do you have, Rod, and what the facts? Uh, okay, here we go. The Chiefs open as an underdog against the Ravens in the AFC title game. Yes. Patrick Mahomes, 8-3, and three, straight up as, as a dog in his career. As a dog. He's the, that's the best. Hard to bet against 15. That's the best record of any QB in the Super Bowl era with a minimum of 10 starts. As a dog. We'll talk about those games and make official picks. How about this on a coach hired yesterday, Dave Canales, who was hired by the Carolina Panthers, was selling cowboy boots until he decided to pursue coaching at his own high school. His wife, Lizzie, coached cheerleaders to make money until Dave ran into and met Pete Carroll. Like I said, you got to know somebody. <laughs> you got to meet somebody. You got to meet Doug. somebody. And once you, the NFL, you get there two ways, family business. Um, you got, you're, you're a great developer of talent scheme, that kind of thing. You kind of get your – work your way in, grind your way in. Or you meet that person who's got a connection to the league and you hold on for and dear life. And you impress life. them. And you cultivate – yeah, you impress them. And they go, you know what, I'll give you a shot. I'll give you a shot. And he just became the Panthers head coach and the only active Hispanic head coach now in the NFL with the firing of Ron Rivera. Good for Dave Canales. Selling cowboy boots. Selling cowboy boots, but hey. He, he, <laughs> 15 years ago. He, he knows how to uh, resuscitate, rehabilitate, and resurrect a QB skill set. He's done it twice already. Yeah, Gino's Gino and Baker. Had their best seasons with him uh, directing it. He's doing something right. They're uh, coaching him. We'll come back. We'll figure it out. That's just one hour down. Four to go on a free football Friday edition. Uh, hook him up with Ian Rodby. Stick with us.